This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Pod. Today we are talking about season five, episode six. It is called Buyout. Another exciting episode. Not as uh, exciting in terms of the action as the the last one, but still lots going on here. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, co-founder of this podcast, co-founder of the entire Vernacular Podcast Network, the man hailing from the Midwest, Zach. Zach, how are you? I'm doing well. I think Colorado's more west than Midwest. Yeah, I, I you know I said Midwest, and I was like, eh, I guess. Every time I look on a map, though, I'm surprised that Colorado isn't further west than I think it is. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe it's, that's it. Maybe it's that's not actually that far west. But I just think of Midwest as the uh, as like cornfield states, right? That's fair. Which that's is fair. not disparaging at all. From they're mountain beautiful time. states, but yeah, mountain time. There we go. Yeah. yeah the, the man, okay. How about just the mountain man? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I was the night owl. This time you're the mountain man. Well, look, we're just we're just giving our, ourselves superhero names. Exactly. Zach, I have to say that, you know, we're into November now and, uh, you know, I'm not usually someone who likes to put sweatpants and sweatshirts on inside the house. I'm usually a shorts and a t-shirt guy, but tonight I was feeling a little chilly, went to put on my slippers and uh, with someone with young kids, there was a toy uh, in the slipper. Have you ever encountered that, that you just put your, your shoe on or your slipper on? I have. And there's, you're like, where did this, this uh, rubber bath toy come from? There yes, it was. I definitely have. I have not had a rubber bath toy in there, but I have had a, I've had a Hot Wheels car in there. <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, more yep. more frequent though is the shoes disappear or they're like scattered <laughs> in parts of the house because especially yep. my son loves putting on daddy's shoes and then you know toddling around in them as best he can, which is you know it's not. He wants to walk a mile in yeah, your shoes. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of that as we move forward into the winter months and and toys being misplaced and possibly in in other shoes and slippers. Yeah, no doubt. Well, today we're talking about uh, season five. Episode six buyout. So we'll get started with the two minute summary from Wikipedia. And unlike uh, some of the previous episodes, this one's slightly longer, probably not two minutes, but a little bit longer than usual. So let's kick that off right now with the summary. Walter, Jesse, Mike and their associate deal with the aftermath of the methylamine train heist. Mike, under increased pressure from constant DEA surveillance, strikes a deal to sell the methylamine to Declan, which will net the three partners five million dollars each. Jesse is on board, and Mike offers to pay his men out of his own share, but Walter refuses to go along. Walter invites Jesse to his home and confides to Jesse his regret about selling his share of gray matter for $5,000 and his plans to build another empire. When Skylar arrives, Walter insists Jesse dines with them. At dinner, Skylar reveals she knows that Walter told Marie about her affair with Ted Beneke. Talking after dinner, Walter tells Jesse that Skylar sent their children to live elsewhere and is, quote, counting the days, close quote, until his cancer comes back. He proclaims that he will continue cooking meth at all costs because, quote, the business, close quote, is all he has left. That is the end of the two-minute summary. Zach, I have a feeling I know where you're going with this one. I'm, I'm not sure if Mike wrote this because Walt is referred to as Walter the entire time. <laughs> and as we've discussed before, I think Mike is the only character who calls him Walter. So, Zach, what grade do you give <laughs> this summary? Yeah, so that's that's one thing that's wrong with it. I, I First of all, grade is a D minus. The second thing and most hilarious thing to me is that whoever was writing this clearly forgot Todd's name. 
Todd is not mentioned by name. He's described he as the their associate. associate. Yeah. Even though he is absolutely pivotal to basically the fact that like the band starts to break up, right? Like that's he's, yeah. he's basically the catalyst to that whole breakup process. But no, it's just because Walter, Jesse, Walter, Jesse, Mike, and their associate are dealing with the aftermath of the He, he can't remember Todd's name, but he name checks Declan, who we have never <laughs> seen before this episode. That's exactly right. Yeah, there's no explanation of who Declan is. It's just like, oh, yeah, well, uh, you know, Mike, he was under increased pressure, so he struck a deal with Declan. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> it's perfectly natural. Yeah. Not even a hyperlink. Yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. Yeah. Come on, come on. We need like at least a hyperlink to the Breaking Bad fandom website. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, not not great. So this is definitely D D minus territory for me. Yeah, it's also badly written. I was having trouble like reading it succinctly because of the the run on sentences and sort of the the uh, the verb and noun association. Sometimes it was a little confusing. You know, also this this reference back to gray matter. It's an important thing in the episode, but. Walt explains to Jesse what it is. If you don't remember, I mean, this wasn't this hasn't been talked about since season one. So this is something else that could probably use a a hyperlink, at least some little explanation. His share of gray matter, comma, the company he co-founded when he was younger, (laughs) you know, like something small just to explain what it is. So, yeah, D minus is is for me as well. Yeah, uh, not great, not great. Zach, did you have any trivia or bloopers for this episode? Yeah, so one blooper, just if you look at the dinner scene, Jesse's fork keeps switching hands when the camera changes angles, so that's a, a clear continuity error. Minor, but but clear. And then um, you, you normally bring up this stuff, so you probably were going to, but in case you weren't, I learned that this was Aaron Paul's submission for his fourth Emmy nomination, so he was pretty impressed with his own acting performance here, which I have to say is kind of surprising. Because I actually don't think his acting in the dinner scene is the best I've seen. And apart from that, he's not, he doesn't feature like as prominently as some of the other episodes that I would think for this season. Yeah, I think it's an interesting choice. I think probably what he was thinking or that his agent was thinking is I've already won a couple of these. And (laughs) the other thing is that the dinner scene at least gives him a chance to showcase something different than sort of the overly, you know, like, totally like emotional, like very uh, deeply disturbed Jesse that we've seen in most of the episodes where he's probably won an, an Emmy. So I think he was probably looking for something a little bit different there. You know, this season so far has had few moments of lightheartedness. And while that scene, which we're going to talk about because it's your choice for best scene is funny. I mean, it you know, it has it has some depth to it, too, but it but it's also funny on its surface. So I think that was probably his thinking in submitting this episode. Yeah, that's totally fair. Well, we have a couple broader thoughts and themes, and I'll, I'll start with the one that I noticed. And this is uh, this is not something I'm, I'm sure someone else has talked about it before, but this is something that I just noticed while I was watching it. Now, I think I've talked before that uh, when I moved into the house where I live now, one, one of my things that I really wanted to do was set up sort of a home theater. And so I set up a you know, 110 inch screen in in our basement with a projector. So I watched some rewatch some of these episodes on this big screen. And I think that's helped me because I've been able to notice details that I probably would miss if I was watching, you know, on my iPad or something like that. But one of the things that I noticed was that in the scenes that take place in Walt's house, which is the back half of this episode, I started to notice that the walls, the door, look a little disheveled, look dirty. If you look, there's a chair that appears to have a hole in it. 
it's like a one of those wicker chairs that the, the back has a hole in it. And I just started thinking that, you know, we've seen a lot of this, the White's household throughout this season, throughout the, throughout this season and also throughout the entire series. And a lot of times we see it in the daytime. It's bright. You know, they have a pool in the back. It seems like a very welcoming home. But this is the first time I've started to notice that it's starting to look worn down. It's starting to look like like a lot of signs of neglect. And I thought perhaps that this is a, a metaphor for as Walt and even as Skylar, you know, as their sort of moral compass crumbles further and further, that the exterior, their home is, you know, the interior of their home, which is sort of a metaphor for the interior of them as people, you know, that, that sort of is, is on purpose, that they're trying to show that there is some connection there, that as the home is neglected, so also is their their moral center. Is there anything to that, Zach, or am I totally reading into this too much? No, I think there absolutely is. Um, it's not something that I notice. I mean, I normally watch on a little iPad screen, so it's not exactly the same thing as a 110-inch screen <laughs> yeah. on my wall. So it's it's not something that I, I picked up on, but I'm glad you pointed it out because I think it's interesting. One day I'm going to like suggest something. I'm going to be like, uh, Zach, is there something to that? And you're going to be like, absolutely not. We're just no, going to move no, on. You're overthinking things. <laughs> you're overthinking things. Yeah, we don't right, overthink Zach, anything on here, as you pointed absolutely out so not. much, Josh. Yeah, Zach, you had a couple other things that you added to our outline here, so I'll let you speak to them. Yeah, sure. So I think that this episode in general is the worst display of Walt's character that we've seen to date. I mean, maybe with the exception of, um, you know, as we've we, we've talked about these inflection points, right? But like maybe with the exception of... Uh, Jane's death and Walt just standing by letting that happen and being obviously complicit in that. But we have him making excuses for Todd's murder and eventually justifying the murder to Jesse. We have him treating his wife terribly. We have him turning down $5 million in cash all so that he can keep cooking. And by the way, also thereby, you know, turning down that money for his previous business partners, uh, Jesse and Mike. We have him stealing the methylamine from his business partners. We have him telling Jesse he's going to build a meth empire. We learn, by the way, and this is very interesting, and I think this is like going back to the original question of our show, what kind of man was Walter at the beginning? I say Walter like Mike, but you know, what kind of man was <laughs> Walt at the beginning? Um, he tells Jesse that he has checked the valuation of gray matter every, I think he says every Friday, right? He checks it every Friday, like, talk about a man who has a chip on his shoulder, right? He just checks the price of this company of which he once owned, I don't know, 5% or whatever the number is, right? He checks the stock price of it every single Friday just to remind himself of what could have been. I mean, that's a, that's a miserable way to go through life and a sure way to make sure that you have your priorities mixed up. But that's what he has been doing, apparently, all this time. So, yeah, uh, so I, mean, I think we get an interesting glimpse of his character here and, and how it's developed and perhaps not developed, but just stay the same. Yeah, he also has this interesting line that I don't think we're going to talk about any any other time in this episode. But he says to Jesse, you know, when he says that this is all he has left, which is is in the two minute summary, he then says to Jesse, why are you trying to take that away from me? Like that that kind of the that way of speaking is is like not something you would associate with a criminal empire. You know, it's like it's just such a it's such a strange turn of phrase that you would not expect. It's almost like he's guilting Jesse into uh, to staying with him. It's, yeah, it's, totally. It's very manipulative. 
Um, I will also say that you talking about the him him stealing the methylamine, like that whole last scene is not covered at all in the two minute summary, which is another reason why this is a bad. Oh wait, hold on. Oh, you're right. Oh with, my goodness. It just ends with the uh, you know like your <laughs> your uh, your best moment, which we're going to talk about soon. Not at all. Like this whole idea of like Walt trying to steal it, Mike restraining him, then Walt ultimately stealing it, which is like the last ten minutes of the episode. It's just completely overlooked in the two minute summary. It's like they got bored and they're like, hilarious. "Ah, this is good enough." Yeah, yeah, like oh, it's long enough. We've we've hit our two minute limit. You also had one other thing you 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 brought up here, which is uh, Todd's defense of shooting the boy. Yeah, I mean, so basically Todd is, you know, explaining to Walt, Mike and Jesse why he did it. And he said it was either him or us. And that's exactly, you know, Jesse, of course, is disgusted by this defense, rightly so. But that's exactly almost verbatim. And maybe it is verbatim. I don't exactly remember, but that's almost exactly the defense, if not exactly the defense that Walt gives to Jesse for how or why Jesse needs to kill Gail. Right. It's either going to be Gail lives or we do, because if Gail is alive, he can cook for Gus. If Gail's not alive, Gus needs us to cook for him, et cetera. And so that's the same rationale that drove Jesse to kill Gail. And now Jesse is disgusted by this logic when Todd is using it to defend his actions. So I think it's really interesting because one, it gives us a glimpse into who Jesse is. Jesse is just so appalled that Todd killed this kid. And then, of course, we're not surprised when we see Walt basically saying, no, he was right. It was either him or us. Uh, and so, you know, we it might not have been a, a very palatable decision, et cetera, but we need to move on from this because it was the decision that had to be made. And I think that's a really yeah, interesting think, character glimpse. And I think, interestingly enough, Jesse clearly struggled with the Gale decision. I mean, obviously, he went through with it, but you'll remember at the end of that season when he's holding the gun, I mean, he is like weeping behind it. You know, he doesn't want to have to do this. And I do think I hate to play devil's advocate for such reprehensible people as the characters in the show. But I do think that there was a more direct threat to Walt and Jesse's lives with Gail keeping him alive as opposed to this child, which which Jesse pushes back on when Todd is sort of explaining. It was like he didn't even know what he was seeing. He was just a kid. He was out there riding his dirt bike, you know, and you'll notice that at the beginning of this episode, the the cold open before the credits, they're they're tearing down the bike. They're they're putting the body into the barrel. Jesse's not participating at all in this. He's off by himself, and I think it just goes to show you. And I think what the writers and the and Vince Gilligan want you to think about Jesse is that he is it does have some moral center left. Now it's deteriorating, and it's not not as strong as one might hope it would be but it is still there to some some degree and we'll continue to see that as this season goes on yeah well can we segue to my best scene because i have something to to add to that that i think might be relevant yeah so we'll move to your best scene which is the aforementioned dinner table scene mm. these are great green beans mrs white i like that you got the the slivered almonds going my mom always Made them like that. You put lemon in there too? They are from the deli at Albertson's. Oh. Oh. Well, uh, you know, good, uh, good work on your, your shopping then because these are choice. <laughs> so. Um, I love that. I mean, this is an example of sort of the, the basically the way the conversation is going at the dinner table. But the reason I said it links to what you were just saying is that 
Yeah, you're right. Jesse is not involved in the teardown of the bike, the the disposing of the boy's body at all. And I think one of the things that we're we're sort of taking away from this is that Jesse himself is a kid, and it, that's underscored in this dinner table conversation. In fact, the whole way that this is set up, and one of the reasons why I choose it as best scene, in addition to having some like comedic elements and then some of the dramatic tension between Walt and Skyler, is the fact that the whole thing is set up with with uh, Jesse in the middle between the two, right? So you have Skyler on one end of the table, Walt at the other end, Jesse smack in the middle. You know, his, his, his face is basically like a ping pong ball going back and forth when Walt and Skyler speak. He doesn't know what to say. It's like a kid trying to get his parents who are fighting to talk to each other and or trying to change the subject to get them to talk to him, right? And so the whole time I was watching this, I was like, this is like a kid whose parents are going through a divorce. And I think yeah. it was deliberately set up that way to sort of remind us again, like this father-son dynamic um, between Walt and Jesse. Um, despite the fact that like just minutes prior to that, we had Jesse trying to convince Walt to give up the quote meth empire that Walt is trying to, to build. Um, it also had just a few, a few golden, <laughs> golden parts here where like, uh, Jesse goes on this long monologue about, uh, how the frozen dinners always look better on the box. You look at that and you're like, wow, this lasagna looks awesome. And then you throw it in the oven, like the cheese gets all crusty and scabby. And then you're like eating a scab. It's scabby cheese. It's just, it's just a, like hilarious dialogue. But then we have Skylar ask Jesse, oh, did he also tell you about my affair? And then Jesse's just like, and he, he gives this hilarious look to Walt, just wide eyes, like, I don't know what to say here. And then at the end, I think this is probably also overlooked by a lot of viewers. I didn't see it the first time I was watching this through, but um, Walt tells Jesse, uh, my kids are gone, right? I, or, or she sent my kids away or something. I forget exactly what Walt says, but then Jesse goes, thank goodness. <laughs> and so, and and then Walt has to clarify, like, no, not like gone to the house now, like gone, gone. But I think Jesse like Jesse's statement could be even taken two ways, right? Like I think Jesse actually thinks it's good for the kids to be out of here, but Walt is telling him that as if, you know, Jesse should be horrified that Skyler took away his kids from him. But Jesse's the kid who's being damaged by Walt. So like Jesse himself is evidence that Walt is indeed a danger to his kids. And so I just love the sort of complex interplay there going on. Yeah. You can imagine him just saying like, can I go to my room now? This is terrible. Exactly. Like, I, yeah. I'd, I'd like to be excused, right. which Skylar actually says, you know, then she becomes the, can I be excused from this dinner? Right. Right. Yeah. It's, I will it's say a great the, awkward the, scene. The, the line, good job on your uh, shopping is, is choice. It's a choice <laughs> line. <laughs> anytime, anytime you're not sure what to say to someone to compliment them, just say, uh, good job on your shopping. Uh, these are choice green These beans. Are choice. Oh man. Yeah. It was All great. right. Well, let's move on. Let's move on to my best scene, which is the the confrontation between Mike, Jesse, and Walt, where Walt is sort of blindsided about both of them wanting to leave the business. You know this can't go on, right? <laughs> I know. And I've already decided. I'm out. Okay, well, sorry to see you go, Mike, but I really don't see any other way. And neither do I. Obviously, Jesse, you'll have to take over the distribution end of things. Mike, I trust that you'll bring Jesse up to speed on your side of the business? Yeah, um, 
about that? Actually, Miss White, um, I'm out too. What I like about the scene and these scenes in particular is I think it's a it's it's a challenging thing to build a scene where two characters are having a disagreement where where there's an obstacle and you know someone's standing in the way and then a resolution to that. But then to bring a third character in to have these constantly changing dynamics, I just find really fascinating. And all of these scenes that we've been seeing between Jesse, Walt, and Mike, I love that we're seeing different dynamics play out. Sometimes Jesse's silent. Sometimes he's the one, you know, as we talked about in the previous episode, he's the one coming up with a solution. Sometimes Mike and Walt are fighting. fighting. Sometimes Jesse and, and Walt are disagreeing. And so I love that we're able to see all these different dynamics. And I like that in this ep- in this scene in particular, we're seeing the dynamic shift mid-scene. So Walt is almost relieved that Mike is out of the business. You know, they we already know they famously do not get along. Right. And so I think he's almost relieved saying, okay, Jesse, you're going to take over the business side. Yeah, he doesn't put up a fight at all. Right. And then he's again blindsided by Jesse, who's also saying, look, I'm out too. And then Walt just sort of loses it after that. Like, like, what do you mean? Like, I this is what I want to do. Like, you guys can't just leave. Like, we just stole this methylamine. Like, what do you mean you're going to leave? And so I just really like the dynamics that they're able to build. Also, the acting is always good when it's these three three actors, Jonathan Banks, Aaron Paul, and Brian Cranston. So you, you know you're not going to hurt for the acting. Just really well, well directed, well paced, and just interesting overall to watch. So that's why I picked it as my best scene. Random question. Have you seen Jonathan Banks in other things besides Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad? I don't think so, no. Because I'm wondering if he is a character actor or if he has like another level, right? Because yeah. like I'm watching Mike Ermintrout and I'm like, man, that's a really good Mike Ermintrout. But is that like Jonathan Banks or is that like Jonathan Banks doing a part? You know what I mean? Right. I- I'd be curious. I'd to be know, interested but... to see. I'm going to look up his IMDb right now to see if there's anything else that he's been in. Well, he's been nominated for six Emmys. Wow. And I think they're all for Breaking Bad and Better see. Call Saul. Four for Better Call Saul, one for Breaking Bad, and one for a character he played in 1989 on a TV show called Wise Guy, which I've never heard of in my life. Nor have I. He got an Emmy I also, nomination I also, or win for that? Emmy nomination. He's never won an Emmy. Okay. I also just cannot see him as a young guy. Doesn't he just seem like an old, yeah, I mean, older he's man? Like, I think he probably was born looking like an old man. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I guess I have seen him. He was he was on eleven episodes of Community, which is a TV really? show I watched. Yeah, he played a character called Professor Buzz Hickey. I don't remember this at all. I mean, I watched the whole series, but I don't remember that at all. I think I, I must was, have tuned. I think I watched the first three seasons or something. I must yeah. have stopped before he appeared. I'm not seeing him on a lot of other. You know, he had a, a guest appearance on Walker Texas Ranger. I guess I could see him on that. I think this other show, Wise Guy, he was on for 74 episodes. It seems like his other big, that was in 1989. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'd be curious to know as well. It's not like he's been, you know, like a, oh, he was in Airplane, the movie Airplane. Oh, I'd be curious to see okay. him in that. Yeah, I didn't know that. I don't know if he had a big part in that. Yeah, I'd be curious to see him in something else, especially when he was younger. But yeah, I can't really see him as anything but Mike. Sounds good. Yeah, well, I'll have to check out Wise Guy or go back and see him in the community. I really want to see him as a professor in community. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's move on to our best moment here. Uh, I'll, I'll start with mine here because mine comes sequentially first, but this is in the the beginning of the, the episode. So as I mentioned, Jesse does not participate in the tearing down and disposing of the bike 
and the the young boy who Todd is murdered. Um, but there is this interaction between Jesse and Todd at the very end of the scene before we get to the credits, and that's this right here. You guys didn't tell me this stuff smells like cat piss. Shit happens, huh? So what you're hearing there is Jesse absolutely laying Todd out on the ground. And, you know, I just find this interaction really interesting because, one, I think it just sort of speaks to the character of Todd. Like, does he not, he can't read the room that Jesse is not interested in, yeah. in his sort of explanation. But also, I think to the point we were discussing earlier that Jesse does seem to have you know, some moral center left. Like there is some morality left in him somewhere. This is an example of that, that he feels like now, whether it's the right approach or not, he does have some outward, you know, sort of uh, something towards, towards this heinous uh, act that Todd has committed. And we know from the past that Jesse has a, has a special affinity for, for young children. Like he, he's very protective of them, you know, all the way back to the episode peekaboo, when he protects the the young child in the the meth addict's house and and so this is just another example of that jesse just he cares for the younger generation and for todd to have such a reckless abandon towards them and and specifically towards this young boy jesse just isn't having it and i just love that he doesn't say anything like he he doesn't need to say anything for for his point to get across to todd so that's why i picked it as my best moment yeah i think it's a good one uh i Really, I really like your choice. I think mine are less strong. I sort of have a tie between two or maybe a one selection and one honorable mention. I think my favorite moment, besides the one you just pointed out, is Walt burning himself to escape the restraints after Mike uh, zip ties him. And um, I, I like that because it's, it's a little gruesome to watch, right? He's, he's like burning the restraints with the electric wires, you know, hitting the wires together until they make sparks, et cetera, and basically making a little electric fire that burns through his zip tie. But it shows the lengths to which Walt is willing to go. I mean, like actively inflicting serious self-harm. An electrical burn is not something you want to mess around with. And, you know, having it right on your wrist right there, very close to a bunch of blood vessels, et cetera, really not, uh, really not great. But Walt's willing to do it just to get out just to keep doing his meth empire. I mean, remember, if he doesn't get out of this, what happens? He gets $5 million in cash and walks away scot-free. Uh, but it's so important to him that he does not do that, that he he you know inflicts harm on himself to get out. Uh, I also will say, uh, nit to pick on that, I was doing some research, and apparently that would be impossible. The uh, the surge in amperage that he would create by, uh, by putting those wires together like that uh, would uh, cut the circuit on the circuit breaker. And so it, the the power probably would have gone out on would have gone out on that wire but anyway um i like that moment no audio there uh, just a visual one mostly um but i also liked the moment with mike catching the tail he knows he's being followed the dea think they're being so sneaky they're not at all they're in like a very obvious spot watching him from just across the street etc and uh so mike plants that fu paper under the under the trash can makes them think it's a dead drop, et cetera. And I thought that that was just a funny sequence as well. So those are my two nominees for best moment. Yeah. I, I like those as well. I, I especially like the one with Walt burning himself. 
I lo- I also love in that scene where he tries to smash the coffee pot to you know get something sharp. <laughs> yeah, to, that was good. And it and it turns out to be this like really hard plastic that just <laughs> sort of bounces away, which is great. It just rolls to I the also, other side of the room. Yeah, I also my only nit to pick in this episode. I'm sure there are more if I were to really analyze it. But one of my nits to pick is when when Mike catches the tail. Gomi then goes over to recover whatever he thinks is being dropped by right. Mike. He puts on what may be the world's largest surgical glove. Are you serious? Like, I cannot. I cannot figure out why oh, it's so this. big. It's like it's you know like Gomi seems to have a relatively normal sized hand, and even like a large glove would not like look like it's going to fall off but it's just so visually striking because he it's like a close-up on his hand to show you that he's picking up this paper i'm like why couldn't they get him a glove that fit is this like a last minute thing that's like oh maybe maybe go we should have a glove uh does anybody have a glove on set and it's like oh this food service people have oversized gloves and it's like okay give me one of those it's like the the process of like getting that prop was (laughs) clearly not really thought out I'm looking at this now, and that is a massive glove. <laughs> oh my goodness! You're right. It's like you you would want a, to t- fit a little tighter so that you could, yeah. you know, maybe like you're uh, handling handle evidence. Things. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that glove's yeah, that's, gonna slip right off. It's like a it's like a clown glove. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to best writing, and then any other nits to pick before we pick our MVP. Uh, Zach, we'll we'll start with 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 both of ours here it's sort of like this long scene between between jesse and walt here so i think we'll talk about different parts of it but we're going to hear a little bit of their conversation and then talk through through what they talked about jesse you asked me if i was in the meth business or the money business neither i'm in the empire business Mr. White, is a, is a meth empire really something to be that proud of? So this scene obviously goes on for uh, quite some time before we get to this moment. And then the interaction specifically between Jesse and Walt will continue after Skylar departs the dinner table. That's when Walt says, why are you trying to keep me from, from doing the only thing that I have here, which is this meth empire? But I, I find this, this interaction fascinating because... I think it's one of those other inflection points where we see Walt who started this whole thing as a way to earn money to support his family. And Jesse points out that by selling the methylamine and getting $5 million, he will have $4.3 million more than he said he needed. $737,000. That's what we learned in season two. That's all he needed to make sure his family was supported for the rest of their lives. And Walt is turning it down. And I think what's interesting here is that he says he's not in the meth business. He's not in the money business. He's in the empire business, which is just another example of sort of like his ego. It's inflated to this point where he's still relatively small town, you know, like he's in Albuquerque, New Mexico. There's already this guy, Declan, who we learn is in Phoenix and is starting to encroach on his territory, who has clearly a bigger network. And Walt, for some reason, thinks that he is running the meth empire throughout the world. And I'm not really sure where that comes from, other than this just overinflated ego. Yeah, and I think you can't underestimate that overinflated ego with Walt. And that kind of goes to what I wanted to talk about in this scene. And obviously, like you said, this scene goes on longer. But just in that little clip that we played, we have Walt, who is like holding his scotch or bourbon or whatever it is in that glass in a very self-assured way. And, you know, Jesse... You asked me if I was in the money business or the math business. 
neither. And so like he thinks he's making this really dramatic statement. He kind of leans back as he delivers the punchline, I'm in the empire business, as if he's like Vito Corleone from The Godfather. <laughs> yeah. uh, and what I love here is that to the viewer too, that's kind of what we're like, what, what we're thinking. Like, it's like, oh, this is a powerful scene from Walt here. But what I love, and I encourage listeners to go back and just watch this, watch this little part of the scene here, because Walt delivers what he think is what he thinks is like a knockout punch of a line here to Jesse, and immediately we see Jesse's reaction, and he almost like rolls his eyes and puts his head in his hands, like, ah, not this again. Right, like he totally, I think, deflates the seriousness with which Walt is talking about this, and Jesse's reaction indicates to us, like Walt is borderline delusional here, right? He's just not listening to reason. There's, there's nothing approaching an empire with what Walt has right now. Like the most successful thing he's done recently is ripped off a train full of methylamine, right? But there's a whole lot more that goes into building an empire than that. And so, you know, Walt here, like like you said, he's just so wrapped up in his ego. He's so smug about this. He really does think he's like an, or, an organized crime boss. And Jesse's just like, come on, dude, give me a break. Dude, stop being yeah, ridiculous. It, it's also kind of a, it's also, now that you say that, you know, he's maybe like Vito Corleone or I was thinking even like Darth Vader, like extending yes. a hand to his son saying, join me, yeah. like, join me in this. And in the previous episode, he says to Skylar, I think you've seen too many movies. Like, this is an exact example of what he was accusing Skylar of. It's such like, a good point. It's like Walt maybe has seen too many movies. He's like, maybe, I, you know, I could be the the Scarface, you know, like, you know, Vince Gilligan has talked about that Walt is becoming this. But is he really becoming it or is it just in his head? And and the other thing I really like about this scene is is that he's he talks through this whole thing about gray matter and about how he sold his shares, you know, to uh, the, the other two co-founders for five thousand dollars. And now it's worth two point something billion dollars. And and he's saying, you know, I'm not going to make that mistake again. But I feel like he's he's unable to see the the fallacy in in that reason, you know, in that in that argument, which is that five thousand dollars is not the same as five million dollars. $5,000 when you're young and could have made two point whatever billion dollars is not the same as $5 million to be set for the rest of your life and not have to think about money. You know, and I think that he's like conflating these two stories because he wants to make an excuse to build this empire. And I think, you know, for him, as he then says, it's not about the money, but he's using that sort of as justification for why I'm not going to take this buyout, which I find really interesting. Yeah, totally agree. Anything else on this best writing scene before we move on to any other nits to pick? Nope. And I've just got one nit to pick. Uh, very, very briefly, going back to the dinner scene, um, Scatter has one of those sort of oversized wine glasses that I've never been a fan mm-hmm. of. I just think they look kind of ridiculous. But if you look at the amount of wine that she has in her glass versus the amount of wine in the bottle, uh, they don't match up. She There should be less wine in the bottle given how much there is in her glass. And it was just a very, very minor thing. Sometimes I'm like, how how do people miss this, right? Like, it's a pretty obvious thing. Like, I would think even the even the actress would be like, "Hey guys, there's too much wine in the wine bottle. Like, look how yeah. much you know, look how much is in this glass, etc." So that was that would be yeah. my only thing. It's probably because there's so much to consider when you're on set. And, totally. But I will say that you know when you're on a set of that size, you you do have someone who's script supervising and and sort of noting these things. But I will also say that it could also possibly be one of those magic refilling wine bottles that Ooh. they give to to wives who are no longer satisfied in their marriages. So <laughs> could be could be one of those things. 
All right, I don't have any other nits to pick other than the fact that Skylar probably would have broken her glass by the amount of, like, she was slamming the wine bottle on her glass as she was pouring yes. more and more wine in. Yeah. And it never looked like she was drinking that much, yet kept refilling, to your point. So, right. anyway. All right, let's move on to our MVP, and then we will wrap this episode up. So, Zach, who is your MVP pick for this episode? So, I, I was going to go with Walt, um, but only because of what I just outlined with that a scene where Jesse just, in my opinion, like totally deflates um, Walt's claim there. I'm going to go with Jesse. Uh, I also like how Jesse, you know, plays the part of the the little boy at the dinner table so well. And I like how it's Jesse saying, yeah, I'm out too, that kind of throws Walt into his first conniption. So I think Jesse's character does a really good job throwing the plot forward here, um, you know, playing a pivotal role in a scene where Walt is trying to steal the spotlight and and be Vito Corleone, et cetera. So I'm going to give it to Jesse uh, for this episode. Yes, I will also be giving it to Jesse for this episode. Oh, wow. Okay, I, cool. Yeah, I, I think that he, he, as to your point, he plays a very pivotal role without having the most to say necessarily or the most screen time. But I do think that that interaction between him and Walt is telling. And I think that, you know, we haven't often chosen the person who has less to do necessarily in those scenes but sometimes that's more impactful anyway the person who's sort of the foil for the the quote-unquote main character in a scene and sometimes that can be almost as important i also think that you know i i applaud aaron paul's attempt at at comedy it's it's not necessarily as strong as some of his more emotional moments but i enjoyed the dinner scene the the green bean choice line was was uh was a good one so you know for those reasons i think he deserves the mvp vote for this one all right yeah i was not i was not expecting you to vote jesse as well but who do you think i was gonna go with walt i thought you were gonna go with walt yeah yeah well that brings us to walt is still in the lead with 27 mvp votes jesse catching up he has 26 and then in a distant third, we have Skylar, and then obviously a smattering of other supporting characters beyond that. So I think that's everything for this episode. We will be back next time with season five, episode seven called Say My Name. We only have two episodes left in this first half of season five, which is where they cut it off, you know, in terms of actual airing. So there will be a, a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end of uh, season five, episode eight, which we'll get to soon. Zach, anything else on on buyout before we move on? No, I think we've covered it, Josh. All right. Well, if there's anything we missed, anything you want to share with us, please reach out to us at breakingpod at vernacularpodcast.com. We actually got a very good listener feedback email recently, which we're going to do a little bit of research on. We're going to do a slight deep dive at the beginning of next episode. So stay tuned for that. That's a little tease for you. But until then, I'm Josh. And I'm Zach. See you next time. 